Welcome to the Logos Dialogues. I'm Alan. And I'm Michelle. And we're here to engage in truth-seeking dialogues about the Logos of God. Hi fellow truth seekers, this is our third episode, and in this episode, we're going to continue down that rabbit hole that we talked about in the second episode. Can you remind us what that rabbit hole was? Yeah, it's the uh, idea of the red pill. Is that red because of the blood of Jesus? I think that's a great idea. Um, but it's also the idea that we have to go deeper. Now, this means deeper into an area that may take us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes issues require that we go deeper or we will never understand them totally. I do remember that now. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the idea of the Plan B fallacy. Hmm, what's the Plan B fallacy? <laughs> well, the Plan B fallacy is related to this idea that people think of the scriptures is telling us that, you know, when God interacted with us, right, when God started that dialogue with us, which is the scriptures themselves, that it, he says that we started off in a state where we were literally perfectly like him, and then we fell, and then when we fell, he had to send his son to become like us, in other words, to become like flesh, in order to show us, through his son, how to become like him. You know, how to become, you know, like God again, bringing us back to where we were. Well, what's wrong with that? That's what I was taught. Well, let's talk about what's right with that, right? I mean, it's true that there was a time when we had not sinned, right? When mankind had not rebelled against God. And at that time, we had a certain kind of relationship with him. Mm -hmm. but, but at that time, you know, mankind didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They had a relationship with God. But at that time, we can't really say that at this point, they, mankind had experienced this relationship of salvation that comes from Christ. Mm -hmm. Hadn't experienced mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And this idea now is that that didn't necessarily need to happen. Mm -hmm. If only mankind had stayed in their state that they were in with God, Jesus wasn't needed mm -hmm. until the fall. So Jesus was like plan B, like plan A was us just staying like we were before. Now, the problem with that is that what Jesus does when he comes is he brings us into this understanding that what he's going to do is bring us into a new creation, not back to the old creation. He's doing something new. Mm -hmm. He's not doing something that's going to return us to our old state. Something new is happening. And yet, people don't understand why the old wasn't good enough. So I guess the thing that you're saying is that with plan B, with the fallacy of plan B, is that's kind of like God made a mistake. I mean, like, well, you know, he made man perfect, and then whether he knew or he didn't know, man was going to sin, and then he had to fix it. Right, so that there was some state we were in, because we didn't sin, you know, that state was what God wanted us to be in, but the sin state was the only problem. Now, I'm arguing there was a problem before the sin state. The sin state was more of a problem, but that there was a need for Jesus even before the sin state. 
if that's not the case, then Jesus is plan B. And, there's, and this gets worse. Not only is Jesus plan B, it's like God misunderstood what we needed. So in, in fact, he made a mistake, right? God created mankind in a certain state that he thought, God thought, was all we needed. And then left us in that state, thinking that we all we needed was that state. And then we fall because something's wrong with his creation that God didn't see coming. And then plan B is Jesus. He comes in. And we to know rescue. God doesn't make mistakes. You're absolutely right. God doesn't make mistakes. And um, in Revelations 13, 8, it tells us that he was slain from the creation of the world. So that it tells us from the very mm -hmm. beginning, mm -hmm. we were going to need Jesus. From the very beginning of creation, God knew that we were going to need Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is not trying to take us back to some state that we were in before the fall. He's trying to take us forward. There's something new coming, something that's very new coming that wasn't there before Jesus came. That's the thing that people are missing. And that's the thing that makes people think there's a, a plan B idea that God had it all fixed and finished and then plan B. But what about Genesis 127? That's a great question. Genesis 127. Now, I'm not going to answer that great question because we're going to have to set some of the foundation to answer that question. We've got we to gotta lay the stage. We we're not going to go into that right now. We're not going to read what that verse is. We're not going to read that verse. Hopefully, people know the Bible well enough to know what you're talking about. But if they don't, they will hear about that verse in, 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 in pretty next soon. Week. Well, next week, we're going to get to it next week. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to get to it right now because there's a foundation to lay first. Because before Genesis 127, there's a number of scriptures about the days when God created everything where it mentions he created them first. Uh, he had a, a, an evening and then a morning in each of those days. So he created everything through two stages. It's like God doesn't just pop things into existence. They go through a work process, a process from state one to state two. And it's, it's almost like the idea of planting a seed, right? The, the seed you plant in the ground is not the same as what comes out of the ground. What you start with is not what you end up with. It's the same idea. God brings up this over and over again in the scriptures, this idea that what's coming is something new, not the old thing that started, but something new is being done. There's a scripture about that, right? In uh, First Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Yep, First Corinthians fifteen thirty-seven. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. And I guess this is the concept that when you're planting something, it's just a little seed that you put into the ground. And then what comes out is like a tree or, you know, a plant, vegetables, whatever is coming out of the, the, the ground. Right. And it's not just coming out. It's coming out and headed towards the light. Right. It, 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 it starts off in, in some in some dark place in the dirt. Right. And then over time, it breaks out of that and heads to the light. That's similar to right, humanity, which, again, God planted into in this creation, in his creation. Humanity starts off in one state, but the humanity that comes out of creation mm -hmm. is a different state, a different kind of humanity. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's discussed also in another verse there. Mm -hmm. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45-47, Mm -hmm. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was the dust of the earth, 
the second man is of heaven. It makes it seem pretty clear that Adam was not what we're supposed to become. It seems like, you know, Adam was first, and then there's something that came after that. That's right. I mean, you can think about it this way, too. I, I like to think about if, if, if Adam was the, the way people think he was, in other words, the perfect state that we're supposed to be at, why did he fall? Because, you know, God is bringing us to a perfect state. Are we going to fall again? Do we fall whenever we get in a perfect state? The state that Adam was in was not the spiritual state. It says that right here. He was in the natural state. And yet, that is something where he hadn't sinned yet. But when he did sin, it broke the relationship with God and it propelled him out of that relationship into where now we can start talking about how to put him into the next state. What he needs. What he needs. What he needs. And it reminds me of... Um, the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus Absolutely. when he was talking about being born again. Absolutely. With yeah. Nicodemus was like a person who suffered from the plan B fallacy. Mm -hmm. He didn't understand there's two states. He didn't understand that you're not in both states at the same time. You're in one state and then you have to go to the next state. Why don't you read that scripture? Mm -hmm. And that's in John chapter 3 verses 3 through 6. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. That's right. I mean, it's so clear at that last verse he's saying, we start off with flesh, right? That's the first birth, but we need the spirit. The Spirit is the second verse. Some some people have a little challenge with the middle verse there, where in right above there, with where the it water, says, yeah, I've heard yeah. Of yeah. Means and, uh, yeah, there's like two ways you could look at it. You could say the uh, water is the womb, and that's sort of the flesh part, mm -hmm. the flesh, and then the Spirit comes next. Or you can think of it as that's the second part. Mm -hmm. The water sometimes is thought of as that water of life that comes mm -hmm. out from the spiritual source that we mm -hmm. tap into. So literally there is this thought of water as being like the Spirit. So we have this, and we'll come back to that later in a different dialogue, How why water is mm -hmm. similar to the Spirit. But this idea that water and the spirit, you know, are both necessary. We have to be in, in both the state that comes before the spirit and the state that comes out once you get the spirit in order to get into heaven, in order to see heaven, in order to be at the place that God wants us to be. You know, that's the challenge. The challenge is not to um, miss the idea that these two states, the morning and the evening, or the evening and the morning state, is critical to interpreting what hap what's happening in Genesis 1, um, 27 mm -hmm. and 26. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to actually take a look at um, this idea that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mistake to think you can understand Genesis without understanding who Jesus is. You can't understand Genesis chapter 1 without talking about who Jesus is. So let's read why that is in in First John. First John chapter three verses one through three. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. 
All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. He literally says, which is amazing here, is that what we will be has not yet been made known. So even though we know it has to do with being like Jesus, because mm -hmm. we're going to be like mm -hmm. Jesus, mm -hmm. it's still hard for us to understand how to put it all together. He is being honest here that we're still struggling to understand how it all fits together. So we have really two principles. We have the principle of trying to understand who Jesus is to really understand these scriptures that are really trying to tell us who we are who we are supposed to be, how we are being you know, developed into the person, into the humanity that God wants us to be. But there's another principle, right? Is to, to when we got some scriptures that are tough, tough to understand, and we're going to get to those scriptures, like first of uh, Genesis 1, 27 and 26, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We need to use scripture to, to explain scripture, mm -hmm. right? We need to, there's some concepts there that in order to understand those concepts, we really want to look at what the scripture defines those concepts as, you know, how scripture talks about scripture. So those two things, understanding how we can apply scriptural um, verses to understand other scriptural verses and understanding who Jesus is before we try to even engage in that, that challenge, right? So, so these are the things we've got to do. Um, verse after verse encourages us to do that. I think one of the nice verses I like is in 1 Timothy, if you want to read that. 1 Timothy 3.16, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. That's the mystery of godliness, right? If we want to understand what godliness is, it's Jesus, it's Jesus right? <laughs> yeah. We need to understand who Jesus mm -hmm. is. And so that's a, a, a literally a challenge for us. There is a mystery here. And we have to go down that rabbit hole to understand that mystery. And not only that, but what Jesus tells us is that we have to ground it all in something. Can we read that in Matthew chapter 22, what Jesus mm -hmm. says? Matthew twenty two thirty four to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything... Everything holds together by understanding the love. love, you know, and so we have to talk about love when we start uh, addressing that Genesis chapter mm -hmm. and that Genesis, those Genesis verses. So that's our challenge. Our challenge is we're going to go back and talk about Genesis 1 in the next dialogue, but it's going to require that we understand love, that we understand who Jesus is, and that we understand how the scriptures all work together. It's going to require us taking that challenge on. And we hope you're willing to take that challenge on too. So this is our invitation to you to come back again and join us for the Logos Dialogues.